What's going on, everybody? It's game time with Zach and Jamir. We're here today. We're going to talk a little bit about what's going on in current news. Yes, that is the title. Uh, so right away, we're kind of in a just a, a, a weird spot where we have a lot of teams in the NBA that are either over or underachieving, and it's kind of hard to tell who's going to stay good and who's going to eventually, I guess, become bad. So you can only speculate. And right now, that's what we're here to do. And not only are we here to speculate, we're here to talk about some specific things that we're seeing and specific things that we want to point out. With that being said, how about the Utah Jazz in the Lowry Marketing Show with the number one seed in the Western Conference through 18 games? It's it's that's a, that's that's some impressive stuff. And they've got a bevy of first round picks coming up in the next several years. And so right now, Danny Ainge is kind of in la-la land right now. I'm sure he couldn't be happier. So what are your thoughts, Zach? Well, the Jazz, for one, they just play beautiful basketball. Like for any listeners who have not tuned into a Jazz game yet, you really should. Like they play, they play bat, they play basketball in a way in which they like maximize on the math in terms of like what shots they should be taking, and they move the ball well. Everyone's connected. It seems like they all enjoy playing well, playing together. Like they truly are like a manifestation of like a movie with a bunch of like misfit players who just come together and do something special. Like that team is fun. Lowry Markkinen is playing out of his mind. At this point, he's definitely going to be an All Star if this keeps up. Which no one would have ever seen that come in their cards, except for what Larry Marketing himself, of course. You know, I'm sure he believes in himself. But yeah, the Jazz are just—they're balling. Will Hardy. I wish, I wish Boston kept him. Boston's doing great in their own right, best record in the league at this point in time. But I just like—I really like what Will Hardy does with the team he's like with the team he's given to to be doing what he's doing. It's very, very impressive. He is by far the front runner for front runner for Coach of the Year. Yeah, I don't know. Like you were saying, they have all these draft picks and they're playing well. Like, this is what Danny Ainge did with the Celtics. Like, you know, they managed managed to pile, compile a large asset of picks while being competitive for the most part. They had, like, one or two years where they were they were kind of kind of bad. But other than that, they were competitive while maintaining high draft picks to get the Jason Tatums and the Jalen Browns, which allowed – and this, those draft picks allowed them to get players like uh, Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon and stuff like that. So just really, just truly, they're truly maximizing on their potential. Surprised that they're this good still. I don't know if they'll hold up, but with the way things are looking, I feel like they do have a great shot at at least getting in the play in. I don't know if they'll still be the best team in the, in the West like a month from now, but I like what they do. Great team, bright future. Now, my question is this, right? So, because of the fact that they are playing so well, you like the 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 value of every player on the team gets higher now. Right. And so, for example, there's a lot of teams out there that could use some sort of help in so many reasons, like for so many reasons. And the question is like, do you do you keep trying to win and win as much as possible, knowing that a championship is something that is probably far out of the realm of possibility overall, just based on the lack of talent that you have in the long run? Or do you just ride it out? I feel like, I like this question a lot because it really is like no matter how good the Jazz look, I just don't see a world in which they are the world beaters. 
but I feel like they should definitely do what they can to win. And like, for example, like Mike Conley, like he's playing well, but also I feel like if another team comes in with an offer that maybe makes them a little worse, I think they should do it. Because for example, he's a, just an older player. He's making 30 something million a year. But I feel like they shouldn't trade like Laurie Markkinen, for example. Because like, while he's while he is playing out of his mind and his value is higher than it's ever been, he's a younger player. He can he can theoretically continue to get better. And winning helps having him, I don't want to word this. Basically, him being on a winning team only makes it like while it's boosting his value, it's boosting his confidence, it's boosting, you know, how he sees himself as a player, it's boosting uh, you know, how other players view the jazz, how other teams view the jazz. And that can he can be someone who you know who helps attract other talented players to the team, in a sense. Like he's he's the man he's the manifestation of like what this system can do for other players. So to, to just trade him just for just for assets, I feel like would be a bit ridiculous. And that's getting into real uh, process territory. And while the process worked out how it's worked, or it's not even done yet. I guess you could say, but I will say there were some players where it's like, hmm, the Sixers maybe should have kept him a little longer. You know what I mean? So I think when it comes to like Mike Conley, yes, if you find a, a trade, go ahead. But for like the Laurie Markinens for the Jared Vanderbilts, uh, I even Kelly Olynyk, like yeah, trade him too, I guess. But like the younger players, they should definitely hold on to them, especially the ones who are playing well, because you you really never know. Like sure, they might not be a championship team, but there's winning always helps. If you have a winning team and a winning culture. People will want to be there. People want to join. That's just how it goes, really. I agree with that answer wholeheartedly. I think keeping the young core there with, like, Colin Sexton, uh, Walker Kessler, uh, keeping Lowry Markinen, I think you keep those guys for sure. Um, Jerry Vanderbilt, I'm kind of iffy on. And then definitely Kelly Olenek. Jordan Clarkson and uh, uh, Mike Conley. I would definitely look at trying to get up out of there, especially now because they are playing at such a high level as a team, which is crazy. They they lead the league in three-point shots made right now in their top 15 in three-point percentage, which is crazy. Uh, they're, they're top three offensively, if I'm not mistaken. And so right now they're just balling. They just they just having fun. And like it looks like fun. Like it looks fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Like Lowry Marketing is hitting fadeaway threes to win games. And they just they're just having a blast over there right now. But eventually I think it will crumble. Right. Cause I think right now a lot of teams are trying to figure themselves out. There's a lot of injuries that have happened all of a sudden. There's a lot of different things that teams have to navigate, and I think that overall in the second half we'll really t- start to see teams take shape after the trade deadline especially because I think that a lot of teams need help in specific areas. So we'll see. We'll definitely see. But I think that right now if I'm Danny Ainge, I say while this is fun, I'm going to play the long game here, and I'm going to keep some of the young pieces, but I'm going to – I'm going to ultimately put put my team in the best position to get players now and and later. So I feel you. It's fun though. I don't think they should just start sucking so they can get Victor Wembanyama. I don't think they should do that. Like while no. he looks like a great prospect this and that, he's one dude and you have this you have a system that can work and you can add players and they a lot of, there's a lot of players in the league who can who can make your team better. So, so go that route. I think while that's what we expected of them, I don't think they should go that route anymore because they're, you know, they're winning. Why do, why just start sucking all of a sudden? We talked about this in our tanking episode we did, but you know, I, there's always value in playing well, mm-hmm. no matter what your prospects look like, no matter your, no matter your championship prospects, there's always value in having a good team and playing well. Right. And sucking to get a player it works sometimes but it's like yeah overall 
Yeah. I don't I don't I don't like it. Word. So I think that I think that they should try their best to really like I I think with I think with what they're doing right now, coaching wise, like I think that they've done a really good job with the coaching over there. And I think that they're gonna have to keep that up. And I think they will. I think they'll sustain the coaching. But I also think that they will they will turn this team around a lot sooner than we think with these picks that they have. And Danny Ainge is a good dude. Hey, if they play if they play well enough, they could mess around and get LeBron. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, Lakers are. Uh... Probably LeBron. They want to get out of there ASAP. Yeah, man. Start burning shit down if I was him. <laughs> oh my god, they suck. All right, why don't we why don't we talk about them for a little bit just to transition from Utah? Damn. Like, is there any? Do you see any any route in which they can improve? Is this, the same, is this really what we the, have? The same the same route we've been talking about since we saw this team being finalized shooting. They can't shoot. When you can't, when you can't shoot in the NBA in the current NBA that we are in, if you can't shoot the three, you have no chance. Like you have zero chance whatsoever. Like the Lakers are bad. When it comes to shooting the basketball, so it's 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 just it's crazy. Like I, I don't, yeah, I don't know how you can really improve there, right? Uh, in ter- at least in terms of when we talk about the their ability to improve in terms like of about putting a roster together, like you you can improve. Yeah, they're really in a weird position or a dire position, I should say, because they don't have much tradable assets. They don't have their next their next draft pick for 2023. Like that goes to New Orleans. So well, they can be the worst team in the West and it doesn't help them in the future, unfortunately. No. Yeah. And I'm looking at I'm looking at the statistics here. They currently, in terms of the three-point line, in terms in terms of field goal percentage from the three-point line, they are dead last in the NBA and above the three above the break three-point line, uh, which is, you know, anything that's not the corner essentially from what I'm looking at. And then, in terms of the corner, they are second to last in the NBA, <laughs> which is bad. Like- but there are other things that they could work on as a team. But because the pride, it's pretty much everything that that sucks with them. And we, and we kind of we, we we kind of were prepping pe- people for this. We knew this was coming. Yeah, I didn't think they'd be this bad though. Like four and ten is crazy. LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Like, yes, LeBron's not the best player in the league anymore. And Anthony Davis needs to prove himself again. But damn, four and ten. Like, Lonnie Walker is their third best player, which is hilarious. And he's been playing good, but like, you know, Westbrook coming off the bench has helped, but he's still inefficient as hell. He's just, he still can't shoot. (laughs) The roster construction is just abysmal. Like the only way a team like this can have any success is if they're like absolute gods on defense and they just score like 40 transition points a game, but mm-hmm. they don't do that. <laughs> That's just not who they are. They're just a bunch of guys playing basketball in a jersey. Lee. I just look at I'm just looking at the numbers and it's just it's it's it I can't find a silver lining here. <laughs> like right now. They're shooting, they shoot 30%, they shoot 30.9%. So basically 31% from the three. 
they they average like well I'm I'm looking here. They're 0-5 on the road. Yikes. I guess you could say they're not terrible at home. I guess that's probably a, some somewhat of a silver lining, <laughs> even though they still shooting thirty one percent from the three point line. I'll say they they they, they shoot free throw as well. Seventy nine point six percent. That's not a bad free throw mark. Mm-mm. But when you look at, I guess just general NBA numbers, they're twentieth on offense. They're twelfth in rebounding. They're 20th in assists per game, and they're 25th on defense right now. So, as you said, being being an abysmal offense only works when you have the defense to keep you in games and you're able to score in transition, which they're not capable of doing at all. They can't stop anybody. Right. Like, one of their biggest – they're, it's sad because their biggest free agent signing was like what JTA? Like it's just Thomas Bryant. In fact, no, the biggest move, the biggest move they made was um Pat Bev. Right, right. But that was like a trade. I meant like free agent signings, like uh, straight up signing? Oh yeah, probably probably JTA. Yeah. It's it's just bad over there. I don't know. I just feel bad for LeBron James. Like this, this high is gonna go out. <laughs> well, if if I'm the if I'm the Lakers, right? And I've said this to some folks, and Stephen A. Smith said it. I'm gonna suggest it as well. It is. I'm not even saying it as a suggestion. It is time to blow up the Los Angeles Lakers. This is abysmal. It's terrible. It's not working. It won't work. I think when you look at like when you look at the roster, you have absolutely nobody outside of LeBron. If I'm being real with you, Anthony Davis, he can't stay on the court. Russell Westbrook, he's not. He's a shell of himself right now at this point. And then you've got a bunch of nobodies and you have no first round picks to speak of until year 2027. And you have another one in 2029. So we're talking about five years and seven years respectively. And also like you just, you don't like, it's, it's crazy. You really don't have anything like you, you might have, you might have to package those picks to get somebody of, any kind of value in the building. Mm-hmm. You won't have cap space forever. You won't have anything. Like, I blow the whole situation up because the thing is, is like to me, look, you're going to be bad, but I'd rather be bad with nobody on my team in cap space. And possibly some draft picks as opposed to being bad with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Russell Westbrook on my team with nobody else. Like I'd rather like I'd rather be in a in the jazz shoes and have a bunch of randoms. Right. So like people be like, would, oh yes. Oh sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was like, people like, oh, LeBron's the worst GM, blah, blah, blah. And yes, of course, LeBron has like Player, he, of course, he wants to play with certain people, and he has an opinion, he has a voice, as does every other good player. But it is the GM's decision to make these trades. And this man looked at the roster, heard what LeBron said, and took his advice and really listened to it. But he looked at that and said, yes, let's trade Kyle Kuzma and Kateus Caldwell-Pope, two key players in our championship roster, and trade them for Russell Westbrook, who has been on, like, five teams in five years. Like, let's do that. Like, say what you feel about LeBron. Yes, he he advocated for it, but he is not the GM. So while he while his while his thought process was wrong, it is not his decision, it is not his fault that <laughs> the this roster has just become so so what the fuck? It's like they're just they're just doing anything to try and make it better. And they're no longer 
they're frantically making decisions at this point versus actually thinking and strategizing. And I guess it can't get any worse than this. Like you said, at this point, the only option really is to blow it up because there's, I don't, there's no, there is no avenues for improvement. Realistically. Now, I think the question, and here's a couple, couple questions, right? When you're thinking about blowing it up, my questions would be, A, what could I get for AD at this point? Who would want him? And the same thing with LeBron is, like, you're getting one of the best – like, you're getting a top 10 player, but you're getting a top 10 player that's 37 years old. And, I mean, again, LeBron's 37 is much different than your average man's 37. But at the same time, you are getting a 37-year-old player who's been in the league for 20 years. Right. And you're getting an Anthony Davis who can't even stay on the court. And then I would trade Russell Westbrook, too, just to just to get him out of there, too. Because I think, you know, you just need to clean house. Mm-hmm. Just blow the whole situation up. Create cap space. Maybe try to acquire some draft picks and just be, rebuild. Like, I think you just need to rebuild. I think you need to go in a hard rebuild mode. You have no young ascending players. Like, Austin Reeves is, like, your best bet in terms of, like, a young player that can grow into something. And he's regular. So, like, it's 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 gotten really bad at this point. Really, really bad. And as you said, they're frantic, they're frantically making BS moves that are only making themselves worse. Like, for example, you traded you traded uh Taylor Horton Tucker and somebody else, I can't remember for Pat Bev. Yep. For Pat Bev. And a couple I think it was a season or two ago where they could have gotten Kyle Lowry for for uh Taylor Horton Tucker. Right. So just just stuff like that is crazy. Right. And so I like that move. Like the Pat Bev move, I thought it was a good move. But also, like you said, that same exact trade package or something similar could have gotten you Kyle Lowry two years ago. So it's just like and that would have been a lot better than where they're at now. <laughs> I don't Ooh, know. Oh. Can we move on from Lakers now? I'm I, I can't. <laughs> they are just poo-poo. Um well I'll just ask you this before we move on from this 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 topic. Where do you think LeBron James could go right now? We're talking like they were trading him? Mm-hmm. In that hypothetical world? Because they'd have I mean they'd have to. I mean, Cleveland wouldn't work because he, he, they just traded all their stuff for Donovan Mitchell. I don't know, like, uh, <laughs> Toronto has assets. At that point, you need assets. Toronto has assets. Memphis has assets. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Portland. Mm-hmm. Maybe a Phoenix. Hmm, that would be interesting. I think this would be funny, but Sacramento is <laughs> <laughs> actually playing, playing pretty good right now. Yes, sir. And then, of course, New Orleans has assets up the wazoo. So I feel like those are the teams that have the that have the possible players and picks to do so. Okay. So a New Orleans, so New Orleans, Sacramento. And who else? Toronto, I said. Toronto. Atlanta, I didn't say that, but they'd they'd have the pieces, I guess. You said Atlanta? Yeah. Get John Collins and a couple other young guys. They they don't have picks either, either, though, so that's challenging. Yeah, they they gave up picks for Murray. But they have a a center, quote-unquote, centerpiece player for an old-ass LeBron James. Uh, New Orleans, I said. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just don't think I don't think that would happen personally. But Mm-mm. I think the Lakers might as well keep LeBron. Worst case scenario, he'll sell he'll sell tickets. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That franchise needs to blow it up. Uh, uh, okay. All right. So then, is there another team out there specifically that has your eye at the moment? Uh, let's stick with the West for a little bit, and we can switch to the East real quick before we finish things up. The Warriors, are you worried about them? They have no road wins as of right now. No, I'm not necessarily worried about the Warriors because I feel like right now, more so than anything, they're just trying to integrate those young guys. And I mean, like, I think the biggest thing to me is their defense. Mm -hmm. Offensively, they're number one in the league in assists. They're fourth on offense. So I think offensively, they're fine. And they will continue to do what they have to do. I think it's just that they need to get the defense right. And ultimately, when Draymond Green has been healthy and has played more than 40 games, or 43 games, should I say, in his entire career, they've never finished under 11th on defense. So I think that they will turn it around defensively. I think that they're trying to integrate the newer pieces more, and that's hurting them a bit. Clay Thompson's been off to somewhat of a slow start. And they still they still have one of the best offenses in the league. So I think that when they get their all their defense figured out, which I believe they will, because they've they they always have they always have done it. Even if that means going out and acquiring a defensive piece like a Jay Crowder, for example, or somebody else who is, you know, the Jay Crowder who is definitely available right now. Right to help them on the defensive end because last year they had uh Gary Payton, uh Gary Payton Jr. And Otto Porter was a big help on, on defense low key. Right. Right. Exactly. So I think if it if if it means A, them going out and acquiring a defensive player or two and B making some adjustments in terms of just you know how they how they cover defenses in general or offenses in general. I think that they will figure that out. I think that they'll finish as a top 15 defense and they should be a top five offense as they've been. And I think that ultimately they should still be fine. Gotcha. That's the biggest thing is just fixing the defense right now because they're 28th. Right. So at what point, like let's use uh, like Christmas all-star game, those kind of landmarks as a reference. At what point, do you start worrying if the Warriors are still like around 500 or slightly below 500? That's a good question. I, I like that question. I think the thing for me, it gets concerning if they aren't winning, I would say around maybe, maybe I would say maybe MLK day. I'll give them to like MLK. Okay. That's a good answer. I feel, I feel like, that's reasonable too. Yeah, because we we talking right before All Star break. If they're not a a, a few games above five hundred by then, I feel like something's up. Right. Yeah, because it's just yes, they're trying to bring along the young guys and all this. And honestly, I feel like a big a big problem with that is they made too much of this two timelines thing. Like they they didn't completely make the story themselves, but they also certainly leaned into it and are like, make, they they leaned into the narrative of it versus just allowing players to just be players. They leaned into the narrative like, oh, Kaminga, Wiseman, and Poole, you guys are the future. Oh, 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 instead of letting them play, and just letting them develop the same way that their Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond's developed, they're now forcing these guys to be like you know, the face of the franchise in, in the next iteration versus, you know, I feel like, I, I feel like if they're not wrong for putting that pressure on them. Also, I think it would be, be much better off if they just allowed them to, to play their best and make sure and do what they can do to help the current team win. Like instead of forcing this, this future thing, like you need to worry about winning now. And if you help us win now, 
and seeing that you're 21 years old, you could obviously help us in the future. And I think I just think they're handling this terribly. At putting way too much pressure in, in, in parts where it's not necessary. And Wiseman has been poo-poo butt cheeks. <laughs> I hope he gets better, but I don't know, man. They might they might to dump him for a, a useful a useful player sooner or later. Because it might just be that he simply is not going to work on the Warriors. And we've seen that with plenty of players where this certain environments aren't for them. And it's starting to look like Wiseman just really isn't meant to be a Golden State Warrior. Hmm. I like this point. Now, I want to pose this question or this thought, should I say. The defense very much has been a big part of the stewardship of Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Now, do you think part of the problem is the fact that Draymond Green's voice might be fading in the locker room because of the transgressions that took place? Yeah, I think at this point it'd be it'd be foolish to act like that shit didn't have an impact. Like obviously that that is playing a role into why they're struggling. Like it it how can it not? Like you know, as a, if in any person on any team, like let's say uh you and I aren't on a rec team, and like you know, of course it's very low stakes. But if one of our teammates punched someone else in the face, we'd be like we would be like yo what the fuck, and we wouldn't be playing as well because that's just how that stuff typically goes. So I think that is messing things up a lot. And even look at even look at the numbers this season. Draymond's uh, their on-off numbers with Draymond. Their defense has been a little a little worse with him on the court than off in general. So yeah, I definitely think that stuff has played a major impact. played a, played a role into why their defense is is um struggling. Yeah, that's quite fascinating. Yeah, just. Just following that whole story and whole situation is crazy because it's just like, like as I said, Draymond Green, um, like a defense defenses the defenses that they've had led by Draymond have been higher than eleven every year, like eleven or higher every season. Right, that he's played more than forty three games. And so, like, I think that that's definitely having an impact. And I feel like they haven't resolved that yet. Right. And in addition to that, I also just feel like Draymond Green just not as not as physically capable as he once was. Like, you know, even like you know, I was you and I have talked about this before. Like before, like we didn't uh, start this podcast thing. I'd always say like, yeah, Draymond's great, but I feel like what by the time he's like twenty nine, he's gonna start looking real real meh, and. He's still great in his own right, but he's not as able to switch and gr- stop this fire and rotate and grab grab the pain. And he can't just do all the things as easily anymore. Mm-hmm. And yes, as the roster also is different, which contributes to that. I feel like they don't have as much strong defenders as they typically have had mm-hmm. in prior iterations of this team. But mm-hmm. I also just think in addition to, you know, him punching Jordan Poole in the face, I also feel like he is just not as capable in some aspects they definitely report it's much more of a skill and technique than is just pure athletic ability in a lot of sense which he never was you know the most athletic dude in, in general but as yeah. time goes on that stuff lessens it does affect your ability to put out all the fires on defense because defense is a very this takes a lot of energy to play defense the way which he does and has been so mm-hmm. yeah I, I do want them to Get it right. I need my Celtics to get their get back. <laughs> so I need to pick it up. I ultimately do think that it will come down to them one fixing that, and two also I think they're gonna have to make a move for like a Jay Crowder. Yeah, I think I think they need to make a move as well. What they have now isn't enough. I don't think. Mm-hmm. I think if they were to pick up a Jay Crowder, somebody who can defend multiple positions and can can you know be a knockdown shooter as well and i think he would fit quite perfectly in that system mm-hmm. as a knockdown shooter and a, a three-point you know just 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 you know that kind of deal so yeah I, I think that i think that they they've got things that they can do right you want to you know at that point it's a matter of i guess the only question with the jay crowder fit is like is that too many big personalities in one room or on one team 
Because like Jay Crowder is a quote unquote fills the quote unquote Draymond role in terms of like being a voice and a bruiser and all that stuff. But I think it would work. But you know, it's just it's just a question that could come up. That's a great question. I think I think that ultimately he'll come in. Well, I think part of it too is when does he come in? When do you bring him in? Is it before or after the Draymond problem is fixed? That to me will tell me about how this this thing goes. Because if it's after the Draymond problem is fixed, I think it'll work perfectly. If it's not before, then his voice could come, then he could come in and he could, you know, he could disrupt some things going on in that locker room. I don't know. Either way, I feel like he he could help. So we'll see. Why don't we jump to the East real quick? We did this is very West heavy. Let's do some Absolutely. East West real quick. Uh, the Pacers. You think they're still gonna be be in the playoff race, playoff run? <laughs> they're not. They're nine and six. They're the fifth seed. Hey, I said. Hey, I, I said it before that I like the Pacers, man. Yeah. I felt. I felt. I felt. You know, decent about the Pacers, and I love, love, love Tyrese Halliburton. Right. That man is a problem. And I mean, the Kings are benefiting from the Sabonis, you know, the Sabonis acquisition. But if you look, Ty, you know, Tyrese Halliburton is doing his thing. He, he's averaging 15 points a game, seven assists, or no, I'm sorry, eight assists a game and four rebounds a game. And he's only 22 years old. So He's going to definitely be the point guard of the future there. Benedict Matherin has been balling. He's averaging 20 and 10 right now, bro. Um, Halliburton. Might look at la- I think you might be looking at last season. Oh, am I? Yeah, because 15 and 8 sound low to me. If he's at 20 and 10, I'm, I'm on the NBA app right now just to make sure. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, either way, that don't change that the fact that he's still a great player. Right. Amazing. That just that just, that just buffers the point. <laughs> well, either way, he's definitely the point guard of the future. And he's definitely somebody who I look at. And right now, also, when we talk about it, the Pacers are well-balanced. They're fifth in offense. They're nineteenth. They're nineteenth on defense, which isn't the greatest, but it's still really good. And they're third in assists. Benedict Matherin has been hooping, so it it it, it look it looks really good overall right now. Yeah, I feel like their biggest hole really is their small forward position. Like right mm-hmm. now, they're playing Buddy Heels at the three. And I yep. don't think any competent team should be doing that. But, oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, they look good. Tyrese Halliburton's great. Benedict Matherin is great. Miles Turner's playing his ass off. He's trying hard as hell to get traded. <laughs> Who? Miles Turner. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, don't know, I don't know if you saw when he was on the watch pod that this man was like uh, basically saying that the Lakers should trade for him, this and that, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Hey, essentially, right? LeBron? <laughs> I don't cry it. <laughs> Le- LeBron, LeBron to the Pacers. Pacers. They're a contender. Nah. You put LeBron on a team with shooting and a point guard like Tyrese Halliburton? Come on now. No, nah, that's just... I thought the Pacers are beneath LeBron James, though, as a franchise. Yeah, that's, that's, too, true. That's, that's too poverty. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's true. That is that is That is a lot of poverty there. Right. Yeah, he's yeah. Tyrese is averaging twenty and ten. I'm looking at it now. My God, Miles Turner is averaging. He's averaging eighteen and nine, basically. Benedict Matherin, he's averaging twenty or nineteen. Buddy Hield averages eighteen. They've got some hoopers on their team, like some real life hoopers on their team. Yeah, they look good. Even my son Aaron Neesmith got 19 points last night. Shh. Uh, Celtic. 
That's crazy that we got Brock there for what we did. <laughs> yeah, Chris Duarte, he averages about nine a game. Isaiah Jackson averages about he averages seven point seven. Jalen Smith averages about eleven a game. Uh, Eleven and eight on average. So, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton. I don't know if he can keep his twenty and ten stuff up, but if he does, he's a an all star. B, a star like superstar. That's superstar numbers, right? If he can do that, if he do, if he can maintain that for this year and and do it again next year, then it's like, all right, we really gotta evaluate how good he Jeez. really is. Like eighteen and eight is good. Is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Numbers, so yeah, that's brilliant point guard work, right? But you don't think they can maintain it, or do you think so? You said what? You think that they can maintain being in the playoff race, or do you think they're gonna fall off? Do I think? I think so. Okay. Well, I, I think I think I'll, I'll say this. I think they will maintain at a minimum play in position. Okay. I don't think that they will be ultimately a playoff team because I just think that again, and we talked about this already, like we talked about this at nauseum, Mm -hmm. but I think that the East is quite loaded. And I think that there are a lot of teams in the East that will occupy a good number of spots. Right. But I, yeah, yeah, sorry. Oh, no, I was just saying, I do think that they will ultimately fall. Okay. Because as you mentioned earlier, a lot, of te- a lot of teams are either overperforming or underperforming. In the East, we have quite a few underperformers. Mm-hmm. Phillies, Phillies, eight and eight. That's, that's not, that's below what we expect. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn that's is a fire, is a, just a whole dumpster fire, seven and nine. <laughs> Miami, seven and nine. Chicago, six and 10. Like those are four teams that we expected to be like in that top eight or nine conversation with ease. And the only one that is like, and these teams are nine. Philly's the ninth seed, Brooklyn's the 10th seed, Miami's 11th, and Chicago's 12th. So like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And the thing is, too, that with the Pacers, they're only, they're only like a half game ahead of the Wizards and the Raptors right now. Mm-hmm. And the Knicks. So it's it's tight. Bum ass Knicks. <laughs> they're just so like black. Yeah, they're very regular. I mean, Jalen Brunson's been playing decent though. Like I, I gotta give him, you know, give him credit where credit is due. But at the same right. time, he hasn't been. He's not. I don't think he was worth all that money that they were, you know, all that effort and money that they was they was trying to give him. <laughs> right. Why don't we jump to the top of the East real quick, though? So the top three right now is Atlanta, Milwaukee, and Boston. Okay. Predictive of Boston and Milwaukee up there. And Boston is looking very, 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 very good. Mm-hmm. Rob Williams, the defense has been below average. Mm-hmm. But despite that, they have the best offense in the league. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown look like absolute monsters. The, whole, the the rest of the team fits really well. Brogdon has been a great addition. Al Horford still definitely still has some legs. Hopefully he can maintain this level of play into the playoffs because, like, as we saw in the postseason, he just started getting tired. Marcus mm. Smart started off started off weak, but he's definitely cleaned up, had, has, had a great stretch of games prior to his injury. It's just it, – the team just looks good to me, bro. Like, they definitely look the best team in the league right now. Even Peyton Pritchard didn't get to play much. Once the injuries happened – he came in and won won a couple of games for them. That that Thunder game, he he came in and won the game for them, um, in off the bench, especially that third quarter he had. Mm-hmm. Boston looks good. Milwaukee's great despite uh, Middleton being out. I wonder how they're gonna do. I just I really want to see how it happens when Middleton comes back, because then you know obviously they're gonna going to get better, but it's also going to change how they're playing. Like their offense has been kind of mid, but they're. They have Giannis, so it's okay. <laughs> and their defense is always great. So, yeah, Milwaukee, they can definitely hit another level. So, they're definitely a team to watch out for. But, I mean, those two teams look like the best the best teams in the league right now. And Atlanta's surprising me, but I'm still not sold. <laughs> mm-hmm. What do you think about Atlanta right now? 
Atlanta's looking pretty good, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, I want to see what they're going to try to do with John with John Collins. Right. Because you can go two ways with John Collins. You can go up or you can go down. What I mean by that is you can try to leverage him in a way that brings in a bigger, better player, or you can try to scatter him into a multitude of pieces that brings you more depth or brings you picks and things that can help you later. So John Collins is definitely a good good basketball player. Um, He gives you a lot of different things that you can do. But I do want to see what they do with John Collins. And I want to see, because I, I, I think that DeJounte Murray, like, I, it's safe to say at this point that the DeJounte Murray thing has worked out. Yes, the DeJounte win. Murray trade has worked win. out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolute win for them. I think that worked out in a resounding way. They've got shooting. They've got, a, they've got you know, a bevy of other things that you need to win. And right now, they're 18th on defense. They're fourth in rebounding. They're 18th in assist and they're ninth on offense, which is pretty balanced. And that's good for them, especially on the defensive end, because normally they're not a really good defensive team. Mm-hmm. So just yeah, overall, I think that they've they've done what they had to they've had to do. I can really, you know, and, and as usual, Trey Young is is balling. Like Trey Young right now, he averages if I'm looking at it correctly, he averages 20. He averages 27 and nine and a half right now, which is crazy. Is That's absolutely nuts. I mean, he's shooting 31% from the three, which isn't the greatest thing, but he's still balling. Like he's hooping. And then DeJounte Murray is giving him assistance with 21 a game, which is crazy. 21, seven, and six, which is nasty. Like, yeah, you talk about yeah, you, you talk about how Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are playing. And even Donovan Mitchell and Dollar uh and uh, uh Darius Garland. Bro, they had like 42 and like 31 the other night. Or something yeah, like that. Yeah, 41 bro. to 34. Yeah. Like, that's they're, crazy. <laughs> yeah, bro. They they another young combo that's really on the way. And that can do some serious damage. And the thing is. With that duo, you can build out a team around them that's going to be able to help you. Mm-hmm. So that's I think that's the strategy when you talk about when you talk about uh, trading a John Collins. I think that that's the strategy, and I like I like that for the the Atlanta Hawks. So I, I want to see what they do there. Because I I'm, would not because the thing is this 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 trading John Collins train has been moving for quite some time. They've been looking at different moves for him for a while now. Right. But now it's just about seeing what will actually happen and what they will actually do there. Um and just jumping back to the Celtics real quick. Yo, I'm not gonna lie, they really look like a team that can win. A championship this year. Mm-hmm. I think that also, like with Milwaukee, they don't really have much that they could move or trade. But if they could get somebody in there, maybe off the off the market, you know, maybe buyout market or something like that, just to give them a boost offensively off the bench or something like that, that would help out big time. Right. So. Yeah, you know, like as I was saying, Milwaukee just they're eleven and four, but they look like like with Boston, they look like they need something too. But we all know that something they need is on their roster, which is Robert Williams. Yeah, and like that's all they need. I feel like the Bucks, even when they get Chris Middleton, I guess he'll help their offense dramatically. But I still think they need a little more. Like their bench, the offense coming off their bench is mid as hell, putrid. Hell yeah. Grayson Allen can only take you so far, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
So I think they definitely, I definitely agree with you. Like, um, we said this before, but they need need to call out Jordan Clarkson. I think Jordan Clarkson would be great on that team. Yes, yes. Jordan Clarkson on that roster would be a problem. Right. Yeah, or maybe see about like a like a Harrison Barnes or something. Like he's he'd be an unconventional bench player, but in the sense that you know he he just has the mold of a starting three. But I think mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything wrong with having good players off coming off the bench. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 there's nothing bad. There's nothing wrong with having more good players in general. Right. Like, just having good basketball players on your team, like shoot, hey man. I don't know if they would be willing to do this, and I don't know if it would work out with the cat and whatnot. But shoot, I would even put in a call to see about a, a team that's struggling right now with a, a, a Gordon Hayward. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that idea. They suck right now, and yeah. Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward is a is a, a a Swiss Army knife that could help most teams in the NBA right now. Right. Because he brings a little bit of everything to the table. I feel like a big problem with Gordon Hayward is a sense of like like in Boston, he was coming off the bench and but the big reason why he left is because he didn't he wanted more, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it was a matter of like, is this person is he someone who's willing to buy in and just accept that he should be a six man, a godly six man on a really good team, or is he just gonna want to stick in Charlotte and try to be the second banana, you know what I mean? So that's the question I have with him because you've definitely seen him succeeding and doing well as a bench player, and he chose mm-hmm. to go somewhere else, which I respect. But mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that when in terms of seeing, in terms of seeing what you know how things have transpired in in uh, in Charlotte. As they are the second, the second, you know, they're they're currently the second worst team in the East. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think Gore Hayward would be just happy to win games. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think that he he's gonna I think that and, and I'm I'm glad that you said that because I really think that he um he kind of needed this, you know, this opportunity in Charlotte to evaluate, you know, just evaluate what it looks like to be the second banana and to be on the floor more and to, to, to play more minutes and to realize like, Hey, I'm not that guy. I'm not, I can't be that guy no more. You know what I mean? Like I can't be a number one. I'm not a number one guy and I need to be on a team with those guys you get what i'm saying like i need i need to be on a team where i can be a number four right and now you mentioned like when you mentioned him like he really is like a perfect solution to, to like if he's on a healthy milwaukee team i think that'd be crazy he would be he wild can score it, he can play me he can rebound he's, he's a solid defender i think he would help them a lot yeah bro he solves he solves a lot of their problems, and also you gotta think he's the perfect spell for a Chris Middleton, mm-hmm. and then you gotta also think too a lineup with Drew Holiday, Gordon Hayward, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and e- and e- either Brooke Lopez or um, Bobby Portis. Either way, that's a deadly lineup that you got to yeah, do. Yeah, that length, the length on that lineup sounds crazy. Like the passing <laughs> lanes are going to be closed. <laughs> He's going to have to cook your man. That's about it. Yeah, you're going to have to win. You're going to have to win and get a quick shot. But yeah. something like that, like a Gordon Hayward, a Harris, a Barnes, some, just somebody, a Jordan Clarkson, just somebody that makes your team better. Off yeah. the bench, I, I totally agree. And what, even with Boston right now, like you got to think too, they they they're fifteenth on defense without Rob Williams. So right. that, that's that's a top five defense, top two defense with Rob Williams back on the floor. Exactly. Like so, I thought, once once he comes back, all the all their holes filled. 
Yep. Milwaukee, once they get Milton back, I just, like 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 we were saying, I just feel like there's still something they can do to maximize their their talent. Yeah, because I will say this though, Milwaukee definitely got off to a great start, and on top of and like on top of the great start that they had, when you look at the numbers right now, they're fourth on defense, they're first in rebounding, which are astounding numbers, mm-hmm. but seventeenth on offense. And twenty second in assists per game. Yeah, there's they there's not not enough ball movers. Yeah, bro, they, they got too many. Like, they they're good when it comes to having like just general bigs. Um, like they have general bigs. They've got um the standstill shooters. Like Pat Connaughton, Wesley Matthews, Grayson Allen. They got them kind of guys. And of course, you got Giannis, Brooke Lopez. You got the big bullies in their paint. But uh, you need somebody in the perimeter. You need something in the perimeter. Yeah. Something that, like, and I don't know what you could do because I, I know they have Joe Angles on the team, and I don't think he's played much at all, if any. Like, so, he's been hurt. Yeah, he's been hurt. Like he would he he would just represent another standstill shooter. Right. At this stage of his career, he's not he's not who he was in Utah. Yeah. He's gonna be another standstill shooter, three and D guy. So I would say definitely somebody who can create his own shot and 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 you know just create you know take some pressure off of Middleton, Holiday, and of course Giannis. Right. Who was playing insane basketball and is you know so further solidifying his place as probably the best player on the planet he averages 29 and a half a game 12 rebounds five assists over over five assists a game a steal and a block which is absolutely nasty that's ridiculous like 29 and 12 is crazy. Yeah, honestly, there's maybe like three dudes in the league who can do that too. Giannis Jokic. <laughs> That's about Luka. it. Yeah, but not the 12 boards. <laughs> but Luca can do all he can put it up yeah, big not the 12 boards. Yeah. Yeah, speaking uh, of that Tatum, man, Luka, Tatum, man. Tatum is going crazy, by the way, bro. 31 and like yeah, it's a, it's a couple cool. players. It's a couple players that have been really doing their damn thing. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah, I'm that Celtics record. Tatum definitely is is in that MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Top, easily in the top three right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm very very. This season's been been weird, like you said, but there's a lot of optimism. The West just needs to. It's just too confusing out there for me right now. I can't say who's Hell gonna yeah. be what. But in the East, we see the top two is clear. Philadelphia, they Embiid's playing out his mind. They they need to clean it up though, but they can get they can get into that conversation. But I think the Sixers will get there. Um, the issue right now is health. Yeah. James Harden hasn't been healthy. Tyrese Halliburton, uh, not Halliburton, uh, Tyrese Maxey is going to be out for an extended period of time. I think they just said about three, four weeks. Right. And B missed games already, too. Yeah, and B has missed games. Health has killed us. And I think that it is time to look at a potential – it's time to look at a Tobias Hair Street. I still think that that's something that we should be trying to explore, seeing if we can move maybe Matisse and Tobias for something. To get some help in there, like I don't know, I don't know what it is, I, I, but I just, I just feel like we're missing something. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, bro. I don't know. I'm just excited to see how the rest of the season plays out. I'm, I'm excited as well. I think that there's a lot of things, and I also say this too in terms of the the Eastern Conference. I think that there are a couple of other teams that have like well, or there is another two teams that have really solidified themselves as teams that are going to be in that hunt. The Dejounte Murray and Trey Young show in the Atlanta, in Atlanta 
I think they're going to be a lot better than what I expected. Right. I think they might be. Yeah, I think they'll probably be. They they're not gonna be fighting for a spot. They're gonna be in there. Mm-hmm. If if you know, barring injury, barring any unforeseen circumstance, they're gonna be in there, and they could. They only stand to get better at this point. And if they trip, they get something really good out of a John Collins deal, like a star player or something like that. Who knows? And then. The Cleveland Cavaliers as well. The Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen thing has worked out very well. Right. They're in the market for a small forward. They're in that market bad. They got the worst. They got the worst uh, forward rotation or small forward rotation. If we're going to call it that way. The worst rotation in the league, but. If they can get somebody, it's gonna be bad news. I'm already scared of Cleveland. They beat they beat Boston twice. They are the only team on my list of teams that I don't want Boston to see, as as things stand. <laughs> yeah, I'm t- because they have two things. They have two things that give Boston problems. One, they have size in the front court. They're bigger and just as athletic. Mm-hmm. In the front court and in the back court, they've got two dogs who can get a bucket whenever they want to. Right. They got a younger, um, more mobile, higher ceiling Al Horford and Evan Mobley. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, for real. It's purely off the Al Horford tree. Like they're so similar in, in play style and what they do, but Mobley just can just become super Horford. And Jerry Allen is big as hell, bro. <laughs> yeah, bro. Jared Allen is a big, just yeah, he's just a problem. And then uh I think if they could get they need just a like if for example, if Jay Crowder came back to Cleveland, right? Jay Crowder, somebody like uh yeah, just somebody like that came back to Cleveland. They'd be off and running. For sure. It would be scary hours trying to play Cleveland. Because they're stacked. They're definitely stacked. So I, I want to see what they do, too. But I think that there's definitely a lot of moves that are going to be made. And I think that this picture won't start to clear like and until teams really start getting healthy and really we really get to see what's going on like in the middle of the season like i say we won't really know what this whole picture is going to look like until the all-star break right especially in the western conference which has been a complete mess yeah i just i don't you just how can you predict anything from the west right now like the Jazz are the number one seed in the Western Conference right now. All right. The Warriors and Clippers look crazy. The Nuggets are they're just good. They're not great right now. But you know, I, I don't know. The West things need to clear up. As it stands, the Blazers look like the most serious team. <laughs> so <laughs> don't believe that. <laughs> but shout out to them though. Yeah, shout out to shout out to the Blazers. I think with Denver, I think that Jamal Murray and Michael Porter really just need to get back right to form. And then same thing with the Clippers. I think John Wall has been every, as you know as an advertised. He's been great. PG has been dope. I just think that they need to like really get Kawhi reintegrated and I think that he needs to get himself back on the court. Right. Or they need to make adjustments based off of his absence. Like they need to just uh, allow him to be absent and make adjustments off of that. Feel that. More any other final thoughts before we get out of here? Definitely uh, had a nice a nice run here. Yeah, I don't know. I just. I'm excited to see what the rest of the season brings. I think that, as I said, 
we won't know exactly what's going on until it happens, um, until the middle of the season. And we are going to, I think we're going to probably tap back in what? Around, what is it? We're coming up on Thanksgiving right now. So we'll probably have another episode out or two before the end of the year going into 2023. Yeah, sounds about sounds about right to me. And before we go, want to shout out my boy Zach. <laughs> he officially has a master's degree on the way, sir, in clinical psychology. Am I right? Yes, sir. You are correct. Yes. Appreciate you shouting it out. Congratulations, Black. Not Excellent job, but <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. But hey. There's on there's less than there's less than less less than six percent of people of color, like by BIPOC individuals, have a master's degree. And now you're one of those people. So that's what's up. You know, big shout outs to you. Congrats. Appreciate and I know it, you're gonna do I know you're gonna do more great things. Yes, you want your master's degree is on the way too. So that will yes, be that whenever you get it, that's gonna be shouted out too. I know it's coming. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Word. All right, so that's it for today's episode of Game Time. This is Zach Brett, hosted by John Ray Wilson. If you want to step to the on further content, you can follow us on our socials on Instagram at Game Time underscore podcast, on Twitter at Game Time underscore ZNJ, and we're also on Facebook at Game Time with ZNJ. And to listen to future episodes, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. All right, can't we talk more basketball on Game Time? See y'all soon.